brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY, and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Jessica DePatsy, because I'm going to say it accurately this time, unless everyone wants to comment on my pronunciation again. Welcome to the show. We finally did it. We're here. My gosh. Yes. Okay. So first of all, the pronunciation of my last name, I just changed it to Depotsi. <laughs> okay. Oh. So all of Jeff's family, because I married into this name, right? Like right. I'm obviously Korean. So that's not my last name. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so yeah, but his mom, she would say Depotsi. Like she was trying to bring in that French thing. I was like, that is so cool. And everybody else just said Depotty, which it's beautiful. Hey, if that's your last name, go for it. But I wanted a little like fanciness, a little opulence, a little French okay. thing going on. So yeah. And I find okay. it very people. So I might just stop doing that. <laughs> I, well, I started uh, when I was in Quebec, like the name would in my, the way I would have was de Patsy. So yeah. I was like, I literally don't know how to say 90% of my guests last names. Like I had Jack Posebic Posebic on and trust <laughs> the struggle bus is real over here. When I'm so freaking grateful because we have tried to get this done. It seemed like it happened with Jeff as well. And then yeah. it finally happened with you. And I was so thrilled because you two are a power couple on your own. But when you break each other apart to see the differences in what you do and why you do what you do, they both seem to culminate in one point of just helping individuals be the best versions of themselves. and heal and move through, you know, the life's pains and how to grow and really work in that space. You both kind of get to that point, but you both started off as two very drastic, different people. <laughs> very, yeah. in my opinion. We um, are very different people still to this day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you're very different, but you're both the energy that you emulate, uh, and you just push out into the world is, is from the same mind. It is of the well-being of others. It is the things like the special forces experience. It's it's the things like the work you do with your shadow work. And it's all positive. It's all 
useful. It's all to better someone else's life. And that's why I think you two are so freaking fantastic. You're just, you just make the room light up in a way that you, it makes people feel like you can achieve anything. And that's not because of military service, uh, you know, and having that ego attached to it. It's truly from being at the bottom and moving your way up, uh, out of the darkness into the light. And I, I, I want to get into pretty much everything, but have you, were you, were you born in Canada? Were you born in Korea? What's the deal? Tell me the full backstory. And I want to really pick apart how you became such a cool human. Oh, awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for saying all of that. I did get this little pang of like, Oh God, I hope she doesn't find out that I'm just a huge nerd. And like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's perfect. Yeah. We'll just start with that. Um, so I'm American actually. And yeah, American. I grew up in Los Angeles and, uh, my mom is from Korea. My dad's white, just a whole bunch of, you know, European things mashed together. He's American. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of like me and growing up in LA, I was a city mouse, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up kind of in the ghetto we had artificial grass in this little patio that we had. We were camping every once in a while, but I really had no connection to nature. I did go to a high school that was by the beach, but I just wasn't really interested in the outdoors. I didn't appreciate anything about it really until, um, you know, college, I went to school for journalism at uh, Long Beach state and started to open my horizons to what the world is about. And I would say, actually, if I could back up a little bit, um, which will all lead into why I do what I do today. When I was younger, I was really, really shy, really quiet and didn't quite understand social dynamics, like hanging out with a bunch of girls and going shopping and going to the mall and like going to the movies or even having conversations in, in kind of like larger groups of people. I was really awkward and so I didn't speak very much probably until high school. And so I just honed this skill set of listening because I had this innate thought or belief that what I said didn't matter, what my opinions, I feel like I saw a lot of differing opinions. And so I wasn't really able to have my own or couldn't plant my flag into something um, solid. And in later work, I found out that's some generational stuff. So I didn't even know where it came from, but it was passed down in some funny ways. And so when I went to high school, I was like, look, I'm going to reinvent myself because I'm tired of having zero friends and being so isolated and so weird. So I just started drinking as one might to cope with those kinds of things at that age. And found that that's a great way to be normal, you know, to fit in, to get rid of any kind of uniqueness that might have me standing out in ways that I felt uncomfortable with. So I had a series of rock bottoms after that, self-imposed, completely self-imposed. And that's where my dark night of the soul really came in, was in hindsight, they were all purposeful because I knew that the things that I was doing was wrong, like all the sex, drugs, and booze, um, putting myself in really dangerous situations, but I always learned something after that. And I think that I know that created the resilience that I am today. Now in college with that skill set of listening, um, I picked up journalism 
because I was actually really quite interested in the stories of other people, because again, I had that belief that I didn't really matter. And so throughout that, um, it expanded into some marketing, you know, it was like, how can I tell another person's story to, to help their business? And where I got to today, long story short is, um, as I had these marketing clients, I was in the fitness industry and some really amazing people came into my life, like gym owners and trainers, these people who really cared almost to a martyrdom standpoint. They're like, I don't care how much money I make. I just want to help people. And that was so inspiring. And I realized that's what matters in life. Serving people is what matters. And it helped me put a lot of my BS aside. And so in that process of getting to know these people and helping them with their businesses, it's really important in the marketing world to understand what the owners represent so that their essence can be promoted. And so people can really get to know if this business, that gym, if that supplement resonates with them on a, on a deeper level rather than, Hey, you're going to lose like 30 pounds or whatever. So in really needing to do that work with my clients, I realized that's the thing that I'm most interested in is helping people understand themselves. And in turn, me really understanding myself because I had to do that work to help them do the work. You know, it was a symbiotic relationship of opening and remembering who we really are without all all of our baggage that, um, yeah, I eventually started putting the marketing aside and focusing more on shadow work and now plant medicines and different ways for us to get past our egos so that hopefully at some point people can bypass that long life, those decades of just trucking along, um, doing life the way that everyone else thinks you should before you wake up. Hopefully you wake up, you know, I'm hoping for younger generations, they can do that a lot sooner than we, we had to. Did you, you you said a couple things there that I want to go back to and trust me, we'll get into the shadow work. Um, Mm -hmm. So you already came from, you came from a mixed, a mixed culture there into a generation where that was not accepted the way it is accepted now. Right. And when you said, I felt like my thoughts didn't matter. I always, I wonder like, is, did, was that a thing that was imposed on you? I know I'm getting really personal here. It's just, I'm really curious about why somebody says that about themselves as a, as a young human, um, having a kid myself. Now I understand why he does what he does and it's influences that I've either put or, uh, ways I've reacted or, you know, the energy I've put out into the room. You can blatantly see if I'm anxious, that kid is won't settle. And people are like, oh, it's, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like, not if they're super healthy and they eat really clean and they only drink water. I mean, he only literally only drinks water. He's super freaking healthy. He's in jujitsu and he's brilliant. So I'm biased. But the point is when I see him acting a certain way, I have to learn to, I, I look back and go, what is, what is it that I brought to the table there where that influenced him? So when I hear someone say, you know, from a young age, I felt like my words didn't matter. I kind of want to understand that. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking that. And I really like going personal. So no disclaimer needed. Get it. <laughs> uh, a couple, <clears throat> a couple things come to mind. It, 
the first one being I played the peacemaker in my household. So I'm the oldest and my parents who I love, they had a bit of a rocky thing going on during my growing up period. You know, they were just both reactive and they would do this thing where they would call me in while they were fighting. And my dad would be like, Hey, like, just tell your mom, I'm sorry. You know? And I'd like be bouncing back and forth and like, mom, stop being so mean. Dad, why did you say that? And I'd play this referee and I was really good at crisis control. And then we'd have a happy family again. It was nothing serious. It was just basic family stuff. But this belief that I crystallized for a really long time and is still a thing that comes up every once in a while is that I'm only lovable when I'm being helpful. I'm only lovable when I'm cool, calm, and collected. I'm only lovable when I'm agreeing with everybody because there's no conflict, you know? So then when I go out by myself outside of my household, outside of this peacemaker role, and I have a differing opinion than somebody else, I'm, I was like, if I say that I'm unlovable, I'm unlikable. So that was kind of a thing. And then the other thing that was really a huge insight for me that I woke up to during my first plant medicine experience with daimi or ayahuasca, some people might know it as that, is that um, some generational, some ancestral stuff. Mm -hmm. So my mom being Korean, growing up, generally being a a Korean woman um, in the old country, (laughs) right? There's this, there's this thing about, you know, being nice, being quiet, being uh, domesticated. Submissive. Yeah. Being a tied up, domesticated, submissive woman. And my mom is a rebel. You know, she left Korea uh, at 18 um, and just like, like F you and went to the U S and she thinks she's a rebel. Like she's super Korean, but like, she's like, I'm American now. Uh, Like I can barely understand you. You're super Korean. (laughs) You're, you're hitting it pretty hard with that accent there, ma. I love you, but you do you. <laughs> right. So, um, and she felt this like discomfort. So I went to a, a private school it was really small, um, private school in LA where I basically grew up with like 30 people until I was 14. Oh. And it, it was kind of a nightmare because I just, I didn't fit in. I solidified my solidified myself as like a weirdo early on. And so I had new friends this whole time. Right. But I remember being in kindergarten and this, again, this all came back to me in an altered state and seeing my mom be there with other, all the other white moms and like really her really trying to fit in, but her being like, like kind of, you know, isolated a little bit, being all nice. And, and then seeing that and being like, oh, am I supposed to be weird like this too around these people? And so I just kind of like got this thing from her and she would always tell me, Jessica, you need to have friends. It's so important, but her unhealed trauma around her own culture just flew into me. You know, she didn't need to say anything. It was just these little micro movements. I was like, oh, okay. I don't fit in. I'm different. Even though growing up in LA, everybody's mixed. It's not that big of a deal, but for me and the way that I, um, what my mom was dealing with, you know, there was still this chain that needed to be broken. So that's, that's the work that I'm here to do part of it. Well, well, it's really interesting too, because when you talk to someone who is, comes from like their first generation immigrant, right? You come from a family where your mom escaped a country. And and I say escape because I, I know South Korea's South Korea, it's 
It's still, it's, it, there's a, there's an expectation of women and there's an expectation of uh, a certain way of life in, in, in cultures like that. And that's perfectly fine. I was highly exposed to Korean culture as a child from the age of four and up because of Taekwondo. When my grandmasters would come over, I learned to speak, uh, count in Korean before I learned to count higher in English. Like it, I did it for so long. So I understood the, the culture and the way that they did things. And I, I was always the loud one and I was always the troublemaker and I was always that. So like the idea of like someone telling me I could do this or this, but this was how I had to behave always mm. blew my mind. It's, it's no different than when you look, it's, it's culture-based. If you look at um, any other culture, Japanese culture is a certain way, Korean culture is a certain way, Chinese culture, um, Taiwanese, they have an expectation of women in their culture and this, and that's okay. And that's nothing wrong to say, but that's true. Yeah. Like I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. Like I love it. Cause when we go to China to visit any of our factories, like they straight call me fat to my face. Like after oh, yeah. I, t I told this before recently, my, <laughs> after we had Jack, I went over there. I, it, Jack was about maybe just over a year. I had gained 42 pounds when I was pregnant. I'm only five foot. Okay. Okay. So I hadn't lost it all yet. And they go, Oh, I can't do the accent. I almost did it. I almost got myself canceled. Um, Oh, Kelsey. Um, yeah, you know what I was going to do. You, <laughs> You, 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 you look so fat. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But Koreans, it's, just, it's always like, you're too fat or you're too skinny and they're very, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> but that's my point is like, from a culture's perspective, there's just a very different way of doing things. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means for certain individuals, it's not, we don't fit into those molds and that's okay. Um, but it is fascinating to watch, to see you see your mother in a, you know, in a play group with all white women. It doesn't, it doesn't shock me now when you say like, this is the way I was kind of thought I should behave because whether she liked it or not, she thought that she was this rebel, but that inner, I'm saying inner, I don't even want to say intergenerational trauma, but I want to say like intergenerational ties to old, old culture, old ways, those for certain cultures in this day and age still hold very true and still hold very heavy. It's not like the Western world where, you know, in the 1800s, I was a witch because my <laughs> hands were tattooed and I was burned at the stake. Like we've passed that in North America. We're like, it's cool. She's just odd. And so it's some have stayed, but it, so now I'm starting to understand a little bit here. This is making a little more sense to me. Um, how was that though for you? Once you kind of realized that, I didn't say that you were different or that you did feel weird. I mean, how does someone in LA kind of go about that in that time frame? Because it was not the same as it is now. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was just in such survival mode that I wasn't really trying to figure myself out. I was just trying to like blend in. You know what I mean? Like my individuality didn't matter to me at that moment. I just wanted to get through it because I felt so insecure and so meaningless um, or purposeless. Yeah, mm -hmm. those, those words. Um, so let me see, where would this take me? 
Um, oh yeah, it, in high school actually, I, I had a religion class, and I had this one teacher who just wrote very simply on a, a paper that I turned in. You have a really interesting way of writing, and. I think I had gotten compliments on this and that before in my life. I'm sure I have, but for some reason that one felt really alive to me and I will never forget it. And I'd never forgotten it. And it just lit up this little spark in me that had me thinking, Oh, maybe I have a gift in telling stories, which was weird because I didn't do that. You know, I was a listener and I was an observer. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing with that information, but what I did know um, from that skill set of listening was that I did feel confident that I understood people's intentions. I could read between the lines. I could see through certain layers of masks. And that gave me some security in my life in a world where I felt like just kind of strange, right? Now there are words for those things. You know, you're empathetic. <laughs> you know, I didn't know any of this. I went to a little Catholic school. So yeah. Um, and with that, that's where I started to hone in on the skill of writing and with writing, I started to journal and I just started to get a little bit more creative. And in that I discovered a bit more of who I am, but it wasn't really until, um, I, I would say in the last 10 years where I started doing the deep work, like I just dove right in. I I'll share another super personal thing here. So I've, I've been the person to always have a boyfriend, right? Always since I was like 12 years old, maybe earlier have had a boyfriend. I've also been the person who's never been loyal to a boyfriend ever, you know? So I had this wild child side of me that was like, so compartmentalized. It's like, I'm a good girl. I'm going to be the best, you know, girlfriend ever. I'll laugh at all your jokes. And I'm like low maintenance and blah, blah, blah. And I'm into all the things that you're into, but then just in repressing who I really was, it was like this pressure cooker of me that just needed to explode. And then, so I'd like sneak out in the night or whatever, um, metaphorically do my thing. And I'd feel like expressed in some way, super guilty, but like this is me. This is me time. Nobody's watching me. Nobody knows who I am. I can act however I want. And then I come back and then I play that role again. And so it really wasn't until I met Jeff that I was like, look, I'm going to tell you all my things. This is my pattern. And I really want to change it, but I don't know how to change it. Like, obviously this is a part of myself that I feel so ashamed of. And um, he was like, look, I kind of have a thing like that going on too. And I think a lot of people do, they just don't really admit it, you know, repressive, um, wilder side that isn't socially accepted. And so at the beginning, at the top of the show, you were mentioning, you know, we came together and we're doing all these things together. Well, it's, we got really lucky because we aligned, we put all of our darkness and all the shadows that we were aware of at the at that time out on the table to just start organizing like, okay, so you have this thing about, um, you love women. I love men. How can we create our relationship to be open, have open conversations, you know, not necessarily an open relationship. That's not real. What we were really talking about at the time, but just to not mm -hmm. be so scared to talk about these things. And in that beginning portion of our relationship, we also realized that, um, Every relationship needs to have a third pole. 
So there's you, there's your partner, and then there's something that that rep, that relationship represents. And we went through this long process of trying to figure out what that was for us. And this is something that will transcend, um, it transcends little stupid issues in your life because you have something that you're looking to uphold beyond just making each other happy. Because as you know, as everyone listening knows, just making each other happy is just not a possibility. Things get crunchy, growth happens, you know, um, real work needs to be done. And so what keeps us together? And so it was honoring the ancient ways in a modern world. That was something that we were like, oh my God, this is something we're so both excited about. And that's why my, who I am being so different than who he is, it really like comes together at that point. And that's what makes us so similar in our, in our method of service, in the way that we live, in the way that we spend our time. So we still are able to hold on to our individual selves, but come together at that point. And it's really beautiful to see because it does complement each aspect of each other. When you, <clears throat> when you got out of high school and you went into the journalism deal and you realized, I was going to say, what is it about journalism? But if, you're, if, you're, if you feel like you're getting that opportunity to tell other people's stories and it's resonating and it works and it seems to be something that you are not only passionate about, but it is something that you are able to do from a, a very different perspective. You're not just telling facts, you're telling the emotional side of the facts. What happened? How does how does one go from from I'm going to be a, a journalist in, in a you know at a university that focuses really heavily on something like this to to really delving into the more I, I I'm not sure how what word I haven't come I know up what with you're word. asking yeah I just I'm not sure what word I've come up with myself where I'm able to describe what it is that I practice or that I utilize or how I utilize it because. I feel like I just say woo woo because if I say psychedelics or plant-based or I, there, it puts me in this box of people and I don't know what that is yet for me. So forgive me if I don't have a word I'm looking for, but you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I don't know what that word is either. Cause it is, it is a complicated industry. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that. Um, I'm so glad you asked that because I did skip over that because I was like, I don't know how much you want to know about my personal I want to know everything. (laughs) Okay. So um, ethics and integrity is so important to me in this. And please, for anybody listening, I'm not making myself out to be a sob story. Like I had a fucking easy life. I just had some minor bullying and my own internal issues, but in, in this observation period of where I was like, I don't matter and whatever, I'm just going to get through it. I really felt for the underdog. I felt like the underdog, but I felt more research resourced than a lot of underdogs. You know, I felt like I need to stand up for them because I see, and I know how bad it feels to hurt and be hurt by other people. And just these little nuances and tone that you can use with somebody, how that can really affect somebody beyond the words that you use. So just like all these little things. And I started to like really feel for the, um, the underrepresented and, and the people that fall through the cracks. So I thought, well, initially at Long Beach State, I wanted to get into PR and PR is like a specialty within journalism. So it wasn't really like telling news stories that I was interested in. It was more like telling people's stories and representing people. Um, but either way, I took a lot of news journalism courses and I learned super quickly and unfortunate, unfortunately, 
how um, much bullshit there is in the journalism space. Like, well, um, whoever's paying the bills, you know, that's basically how we need to tell the story. You know, and there's somebody super powerful will hear the politics of what happens when you put something that's accurate out there, you know, blah, blah, blah. And because I prided myself in telling both sides of the story and seeing both sides, that's just not how you tell a news story. Apparently you tell a story based on people's biases so that they buy newspapers. This is also kind of before the internet was really becoming a thing and newspapers were just trying to figure that all out. So yeah, I'll speak to newspapers. Um, but it was like the most disgusting thing I had ever learned about, you know, it was just like, bam, this is how the news works. And I grew up watching the news. Like my parents were huge news people. And so this was like this awakening moment. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, we've been lied to our whole lives. That feels weird. What else is there? And then I discovered the food pyramid and, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, everybody's lying to me. And then I'm becoming a hippie. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) the amount of individuals right now that are are absolutely just dumbfounded and straight up leaving my country to move to places like costa rica and mexico and the united Mm. states and anywhere else because people are just like i've been lied i i've been so lied to i feel assaulted by lies i literally can't handle it anymore i am moving to the ocean area i'm moving to the mountains i'm out i'm done we've cracked it's too much It's wonderful, isn't it? Like, I'm so glad people are waking up. It's crunchy to realize that everything that you've believed to be true is bullshit, you know, and the, and the people that represent us are just tired, overworked, unhealthy, upregulated humans like you and me that don't know how to make very good farsighted decisions because maybe there's just too much responsibility on their hands. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's wild. I've met so many Canadians here, refugees, Canadian refugees. Did you ever think we would have to say that word? Um, But they fled the country, you know, October 29th before you couldn't hop on a plane, you know, unless you were vaccinated, they fled and they've been down here ever since with their one little suitcase. I know my girlfriend and her husband did the same thing and they went, they they're back now, but they, they figured it out mm -hmm. and they are back now. And they were there for six months, I think. And she's like, I just got a random text message out of the blue. She's like, you should come visit. I'm going to do my first eye ceremony. And I was like, Oh, hey. you already on my side. And now you're really going on my side. I'm I okay. Come home. I need you to come back now because I know she's going to come back in this, in this beautiful way that I'm so optimistic that we can, that we can fix uh, things, but I'm also mm. starting to become a little more of a realist in, in that too. But when you see, when you see someone finally realize that they've been lied to that type of baggage and damage that comes with that is so heavy for a lot of people that it's, they can't tolerate it. Yeah. And you're at a place down there where you are doing a lot of work around healing these individuals. So you go from figuring out the world lies to at what point do you meet Jeff? And at what point do you guys go and, Hey, we're going to, we're going to live our lives completely different than the rest of everyone else. And there's a reason for it. And that's okay. Mm. Yeah. So the work that I'm doing down here is I'm apprenticing with the medicine woman 
and we serve uh, daimi, which is a form of ayahuasca. Um, we serve iboga, which is a root bark from Africa. And um, combo, which comes from a frog. And bufo, which comes from a toad. So we do four or five medicines. I don't know how many that is. And um, she's studied with almost every tribe that serves ayahuasca except for one, which I can't remember the name of. And so she's like, I think she is the world leader in combo. Um, So it's such, I'm so blessed to be here. It was really a miracle that this spot opened up for me. Um, And especially in this time where I've been just obsessed with exploring altered states and altered states can be many forms. Obviously plant medicines are one of them, but going through extensive and intense exercise is another falling in love is a huge altered state. And so when Jeff and I fell in love, it was like the whole foundation of what we believed to be true was then opened up to new ways of rebuilding that. And of course that takes some courage. And one of the great things about falling in love with somebody is that you have a partner in crime to be able to do it with. Um, whereas in a lot of different altered states, after you have this realization that your life needs to look different, you're sometimes solo. And so that can be a little challenging. Um, but when I met Jeff, he was down for a jump course, um, teaching some guys to jump out of planes and stuff. I was super hungover with my girlfriend, Ashley. We're at brunch you know, saw this group of guys there. So they got um, winded out and they weren't able to do their course, something like that. And uh, so they were there. My friend Ashley is like, that is the hottest group of guys I've ever seen. It was just like this table, <laughs> those Canadian Canadians. special forces guys. <laughs> and by the way, in LA, Canadian men are very on brand for some reason. <laughs> it's like a big get. It's it's because we're, we're secretly, uh, we're like the hipsters that don't want to admit that we're actually hipsters. Yes. There's something, there's something cool going on with Canadians. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we, we sat there and we were like, just so shameless. We we sat at a four top, both at the same side, looking at them, mind you. Yeah. I was hungover and I was like, wasn't really thinking straight, but after they called us over to introduce us to Caesars, you know, the drink, obviously we had never had, um, which was delicious. My favorite drink still good. Yeah. Uh, I just remember talking to Jeff and you know how quiet he is. He was mostly just not talking, but I remember looking at him being like, why can't I marry somebody like him? Which by the way, I was engaged to be married in three weeks at this point. To somebody I really didn't want to marry. I was just caught. I was caught in a trap and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, this is the best it's going to get. So whatever. <laughs> oh my God, girl. It's, it's a long story, but I will, I will spare you all of it. And just say that I remember thinking, why can't I marry somebody like this? You know? And then we had the day together and I was like, this is my person. I literally told him I loved him the first day I met him, like a crazy person who's about to get married. You know, I was just out of my mind. Okay. Really. My intuition was just screaming at me. Do not let this go and mm-hmm. like do not continue your pattern like life has to change but that's so scary so anyway, not to interrupt I did you. end up getting married yeah, <laughs> yeah go ahead. that's terrifying though but th- mm. I just want to acknowledge that for a second because 
you had the wherewithal to understand the feeling that you had at that moment and hear it for what it was. And that is something that most people just brush off, whether it's because it would uproot their whole life, change everything, but they're never truly honest within that feeling. And I think that's really, that's a, that's a huge thing to point out. And I'm so sorry for interrupting, but I, I think that's massive. I'm glad you did bring that up because that was one of those milestone moments. I mean, all it's, you're a great interviewer, by the way, because oh. you're bringing up all these like milestone moments that I haven't thought about in years that helped me become the woman that I am today, you know, and this was a big one. This was like, trust your intuition. It's smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not going to make sense all the time. It'll make sense later. And so Jeff was one of those things that didn't make sense. He was he couldn't tell me what he did for a living. So like mm-hmm. red flag when you meet somebody new, you know, <laughs> like a fucking con artist, you know, feel safe. Um, yeah. Like the whole group, they're like, we're race car drivers. And it's like, okay, we're magicians, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, okay, so I don't know what you do for a living. Interesting. Uh, you don't have any social presence, obviously you have two cell phones, like a secret cell phone. And like when I'm able to call fucking that's sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't verify with anybody that who knows you, that you're not like a thief and a or murderer. A serial killer. Totally. And Jeff has those serial killer vibes. Like let's Total just be honest. Vibes. <laughs> Total vibes. If you guys haven't listened to the episode with Jeff, go and do it. Cause I got to tell you, <clears throat> And watch it, watch it. Okay. You'll get it. It's a vibe he puts off and it's not intentional. He's so intense, but mm-hmm. he's like a, a quiet version of my intense. He's like an intense that just kind of looks at you and asks you questions and reads you. And it's because he was a JTF two member, whereas Navy SEALs we've been talking about forever, but we just finally started to admit that there was guys in black that look like Jeff that go around shooting people in the face for Canada. So <laughs> he's got the vibe, man. He's got it. She's not even being crazy rule. He's got mm. the vibe. I don't know how you trusted yourself because he didn't have the long, did he have the long hair then too? Uh, no, he didn't have the long hair at the time. Oh, even creepier. You knew there was something wrong. <laughs> <or>. <laughs> no. I know. So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure you're a murderer. You're super hot. So that like, I'm like, but how, how far am I willing to go for hot? Like there's gotta be more than that. How hot are you really? How hot are you? Like, okay. I might be okay with murder, but even still <laughs> to this day, I'll watch. So I love uh, like murder documentaries. Like I feel Gosh. super bad for everybody in there, but I like love watching them. And the, the good ones, you know, like the psychological ones where you're like, I can see why he did that. You know, like yeah. you, you understand their story. Anyway, I still watch them to this day. I'm like, if Jeff does turn out to be a serial killer, I would be zero percent surprised. Yeah. Anyway, he's gone the good. He's gone the light route. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's uh. Listen, he listen. Jeff may have. You may not have been wrong. Your intuition may have been right. He <laughs> technically was a serial killer but for the government. So it's, it's fine. It, like, listen, people like us have passes and I'm not trying to say I was cool. Like Jeff, I tell him that to his face. He's way cooler than me, but we, people like us did those uh, jobs and, but it was for the government. So it's fine. It's totally illegal. It, it was, it, there's no emotion attached and it doesn't affect people and it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Right. We just tell ourselves it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So he did have those vibes. You weren't wrong. Ooh. They were just vibes for a different reason. So, okay. I'm fully psychic now at this point. Okay. That, that makes sense. That helps me out yep. a lot. <laughs> Good, I'm, glad. I'm glad we could work. Th- listen, give and take. We're working through it. I'm happy. Yes. 
Oh my God. He's going to die listening to this. I, mean, I can't wait. So highly of me and in, in podcasts. And I'm like, I think he's a murderer. <laughs> he may or may not have been a serial killer, but I, I, he was hot enough. I was willing to whisk, risk it for the biscuit. It was fine. Yeah, risk it for the biscuit. That's so good. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, I'm like, Hmm, I have a destination wedding. Like everything is just wrong timing, you know? So my thought is, okay, I'm pretty sure I need to be with this person for the rest of my life, at least until that season ends. Right. Which is another one of our, our wedding vows, which is I'm going to choose you until I don't selection ever ends. Maybe there's a little bit of military (laughs) coming into that, but it's like, we never want to feel trapped. You know, we're always going to show up for each other in the best way we can. Anyway, I'm like, okay, I feel like I saw this on Friends once. I think you can get a marriage annulled, like if you do it quick enough. Ross and Rachel. Okay. The Vegas episode. So, I know what you're talking about. We're friends, I kids. Fucked up. I didn't even look that up. Like I have full access to the internet at this point. This was only like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And I think that that was also my intuition's way of saying like, just do what you got to do, you know? Right. So anyway. I went and got married. I didn't want to have this big dramatic, you know, the wedding's off moment. I just wanted everyone to have a nice vacation again, like playing this nice girl role. Um, and then afterwards, you know, I'll have the talk. And luckily the, the man that I got married to, we separated eight days later after our our wedding, he kind of knew like we weren't supposed to get be together. You know, we were super good friends And there wasn't even a lot of negotiation happening, not a lot of tears. Eventually, he was like, after just a couple of days, this sounds like the guy that you've been trying to turn me into. (laughs) So, and then, yeah, he gave me my blessing and then I was on my way. Wow. What a good person though. Like what a good person of him to have seen that that wasn't good for you or him. Like that, it seems like you you guys were way more emotionally intelligent than uh, most people are when they get married or they're going through these types of experiences. It's, I don't know, like I said, if it's this like innate, like generational stuff, well, it's like, I just, I'm doing it. So I, I, I have to get, you know, I have to walk through it. I got it. Well, we said the vows and this is it. Like if something's not right to be able to take that step and really do that. I just, I can't say that I've ever heard somebody have a partner also be like, you know what? I love you, but I love you enough to know that I want you to be the best version of yourself. And if I can't give you that, that's a, I mean, it's pretty admirable of a, of a guy you got there. Yeah. It, I, in hindsight, so much gratitude at the time, it just felt messy and I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, thank you. I got to go, you know? Yeah. But in hindsight, I was so lucky because that could have gotten messy and weird. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, after that, I told Jeff, you know, look, this is, uh, I need to change my life. I need to change everything about it because the man that I was with prior to that, he was very religious. And so all the things that I'm into now, I was kind of like doing in secret, you know, I was into tarot, Mm -hmm. I was into astrology, um, I was just seeking. I, I knew that I, there was something more out there and I just wanted to know what it was about. And so it was like a closet astrologer, you know, which is insane. And I was like, look, how do you feel about astrology? Is it weird to you? Well, let me tell you why it's not weird, you know? And he was mm-hmm. so open to all of this, obviously, like, you know, Jeff, you can imagine me coming at him with like a fire hose of new age concepts 
he was like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but just explain this to me. And then he will look up the science behind it. Like it was so amazing. And then, yeah, so we really bonded on that. And, and I learned more about the military stuff. I actually come from a military family. My grandpa was one of the first, um, frogmen from the OSS. What? Yeah. My grandpa was such a badass. My dad was in the air force. So, um, they always told me, do not marry a military guy. They're nuts, you know, and they will cheat on you. (laughs) This is why every single, every single time somebody goes, Oh, you're married. Where did he serve? I went, he didn't cause I'm not stupid. (laughs) They're like, I'm sorry. Totally. I'm smart. I'm also smart. smart And so when I met Jeff, I was like, first day after telling him, I love you and I'm insane and I'm going to get married. How do you feel about all that? I also said, you have to quit the military because, um, I've only known you for 18 hours, but I like, don't want to be a military wife. What do you think? And yeah. And like, let's be honest here for like three seconds. It's not like he was just like me who was like, I was a gunner and I did my job. He was like, I trained really, really, really hard. I went through selection. I got the shit kicked out of me. I literally did this and I'm in the top most elite position that we have ever had in Canada. I wear all black. People don't know I exist. I could be a shark trainer for all you know, but you want me <laughs> after 18 hours of knowing you and you telling me you love me to just fuck off with that. Like you've, there's some things I could say insinuating about how fantastic you must be, but there you gotta be. So there's something's got, there's something going on that I'm, I need these vibes. Um, yeah. Right. Like I knew I was asking for a lot. Uh, oh, at that point he told me he was in the army, like, you know, that he was in the military. So he was, (laughs) yeah. So I got a little bit of information from that at that point. Um, but I think that is really the magic of an altered state. Like I have never fallen in love with somebody so hard to where I'm like, I'm moving to Canada immediately. I'm like quitting my job. Every mom, dad, I know I just got married, but I met a guy, (laughs) you know, they're like, I'm out of here kidding me. They were like, no, no. (laughs) All my friends are like, Jessica, are you insane? What does he do for work? I don't really know. You know, it was just, it was all kinds of crazy. What year was this? 2016, 2015. So super, he's in the military in Canada. We're heavily involved in a war right now. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's on call. He needs to disappear for months on end or whatever. I'm like, sure. I'll move to Canada. And I don't know anybody. And it's in the dead of winter. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm like an idiot in snow. Um, but yeah, like we just knew, okay, our hormones and maybe the Holy spirit is involved in somehow. Um, but like, this is a great opportunity to rewire everything because there were a lot of things in the military that he didn't enjoy. You know, he felt like he was on the tail end of things. He's a very, very outspoken, very, um, no, I wouldn't say outspoken is the right word. He is, he's super farsighted. He's really smart. He's a fucking genius. Maybe smarter than he he is serial killer smart. And again, like (laughs) just got to bring him down a little bit. All the flags, all the flags, Jeff. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I did that interview with him. I walked out of this studio. I walked into my president's office and I said, 
So that might have been one of my favorite interviews and did not expect even a quarter of what that guy threw at me. I said that that level of not only wherewithal, intelligence, self-work, and then distant thought all put into one, it broke my brain a bit. I literally listened to that interview back and went, I learned so much. He's really actually quite, quite intelligent, scary, like scary so. Mm. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> excuse me, one second. No worries. It's fine. She's Sorry. sick. It's fine. <laughs> These jungle, um, jungle allergies are like next level. It's insane. Also, I do this thing, Hoppe, which I can tell you about a little bit. I know all about the that. Medicine. Oh yeah, of course. What am I saying? I usually have to explain it to people. They're like, what do you? Oh, doing? you're going to explain it for all of our listeners, because as we <laughs> move through this journey here, I want to, I want to look at all what you do and, and what you find most effective for certain things, because there's a lot of listeners that listen to these kind of going like, look, I, I've been on X amount of drugs from the government or my doctor, and I'm really looking to change the way I do things. And they're starting, you know, our community is very much mental health focus and physical fitness and and what you put in your body. And so they're really looking and emailing us going, how do I do this? Where do I go? What are the options? What would be best for what I'm trying to work on? So there's plenty of that I want to get into. Um, Once you kind of, once you kind of figured out that you and Jeff were going to be it, how is it though, that you started to, cause like you have this, but you guys have the special forces experience, mm-hmm. um, which it's up to you. If you want to kind of get into that, you're more than welcome to, um, but you have that, but then you have this really deep other side that looks like at the work you're doing. And that work there is very different than the special forces experience. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in Jeff's transition period, he he was like, okay, what do I do with this skill set? You know, am I going to be a fucking bouncer? You know, or do uh, some of the things that well, they they get hired by big business, right? That's a yeah. some JT. Okay, I can't speak too much to what other people do. Contractors, but like, yeah, because they have so many. Exactly, yeah. And, um, he just didn't want to get into that. When we went through our lovely altered state, we realized we really want to help people because that's why he initially joined the military. And he was seeing some problems with how he was helping people while he was in that space. He had a lot of autonomy, but you can only do so much when you're, you know, scheduled to do a certain type of thing. And so, um, that's how the process was born. The, the SFE. Now, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize about the special forces experience that we run and if you want to check out more about that for anybody who's listening, you can go to thespecialforcesexperience.com. Sorry about the long URL. I just wanted to get that SEO in there. No, um, don't. I'll make sure to put it in the bio too. We, absolutely. Okay, perfect. So it's a highly, it, it's, Jeff doesn't like when I say this, but this is how I see it. <laughs> It's kind of like a simulation of an SF selection process, but it's very different in that instead of turning you into an assaulter, it, it, and, and brainwashing again, not the right word, but the military is really good at getting people thinking, you know, an army of one, right? We have this one mission and we're now all brothers and sisters and we're all committed to this thing. I mean, does wonderful things to create community that lasts a lifetime, and so we, we knew that community is a thing that's really lacking 
it was lacking in our lives, um, him outside the military, me, like I had my tribe, you know, my, my fitness marketing people who I loved, you know, fitness is another way that brings people together in so many wonderful ways. And we realized one of the common through lines is, um, suffering together. And I think you guys may have talked about this on his podcast. So I won't go into that, but that limbic bonding, it's like when we do something difficult together, we come out of the other side and we just know so much more about ourselves and our character and about the other person. And we actually really want that person to do well. So it gets rid of this competitiveness and this comparison thing. And so, um, in chaos, especially. So I think that's why CrossFit specifically is such a great community builder beyond like bodybuilding and those types of fitness, functional fitness, people are doing things together and it's kind of chaotic. You know, that's why a lot of fitness people don't like it. It's like, sometimes it's unsafe, whatever, but what matters more than safety in that community is that like thriving in chaos, we're going to make it happen. It doesn't matter if we get hurt sometimes. And there's some amazing CrossFit gyms out there where people just don't get hurt. And that's amazing. Um, but this chaos is inherently feminine. You know, it's this, it's this wildness that have been bred out of a lot of women. And so that's why like right now, um, in, in the woo space or whatever we'll call it, the new age space, the yogic space, um, it's like this Kali energy, like women like us are like, no, we're wild. We will not be tied down. We're untamed that that can be uncomfortable for our families or for our friends that have subscribed to that narrative and that story. It can be hard for us. We're like, okay am I still a good person if I'm crazy and like wild and expressed, you know, because good girls aren't like that. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, the point being the special forces experience has a lot of this feminine, this wild feminine energy in it. Same with plant medicines. It's this chaos that we intentionally go into. And so that's what the through line is with plant medicines and his work with the SFE that are really starting to now combine as a lot of men from that program are going to be doing a retreat with us in June where we are doing daime and ayahuasca and combo. Um, It's just another form of awakening. You know, you learn so much about yourself when your body thinks it's dying. You know, it releases DMT, just like breath work, um, Mm -hmm. just like ayahuasca, just like falling in love. It, it's what they call this God molecule. Like it, it opens your perspective. It increases your consciousness. So, um, yeah, we both knew that increasing consciousness, uh, we can get into more about that later. Like that was important to both of us. We really wanted to grow and expand as humans. And we started with ourselves and what we know, what we knew worked. And, um, yeah, he created that program and it, like it really changes lives. It's amazing. A lot of men go into it for the gunning and running and the special forces experience, like literally, but our secret, um, um, words for that acronym of SFE is self transcendence for everyone, you know, because it's like, we're turning people not into a, a mind of one, but like we brainwash you into thinking for yourself. You know, that's why we're not a cult. We check a lot of cult boxes, but the difference is like critical thinking and having your own opinion and standing up for yourself is like priority number one. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're not a cult. I mean, you're cult-esque or a cult adjacent. It's fine. Right. (laughs) There's no Kool-Aid. It's cool. We call it something else. It's not Kool-Aid. It's just aid. It's fine. Drink it. It's well, it's ayahuasca. That's the Kool-Aid actually. (laughs) 
oh, that Kool-Aid does not taste there as good. Oh my God, does it work? <laughs> so how did Costa Rica come about? How did you get into this point where you're like, I want to take on healing from a real true healer's perspective rather than experiencing uh, on the other end? Mm-hmm. So it was New Year's Eve of 2012. 15, whenever it was like the January before I met Jeff, four months before, six months before Jeff, I don't know, um, where I was, I don't know, I was just in a space of numbness. Like I wasn't depressed. I wasn't happy. I was just like, whatever. And I knew I was getting married and I wasn't like super excited about it, but I wasn't upset about it. You know, it was just numb. Like I was on antidepressants almost. That was my life. I wasn't on them, but that just kind of was the vibe. And my friend, this is when the functional fitness community started getting into psychedelics more, Um, you know, like Aubrey Marcus and Mike Bledsoe and all that. And um, so are you familiar with Barbell Shrugged? No. Okay. So there were a big um, functional fitness podcast back in the day, like one of the first podcasts. Uh, So my best friend, Ashley, I worked for that business and did marketing for them. My best friend, Ashley was married to the the CEO and she invited me for New Year's to do a San Pedro ceremony in Laguna beach. And I was like, sure. I like to do drugs, whatever, you know, I'll do that. I hadn't done some, I hadn't done any in a while because I was in this very strict kind of relationship where I wasn't supposed to do that. And so I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm just going to go and not tell him. And thinking it was going to be this recreational thing, but it was a ceremony. I'd never been to a ceremony before. And like, everyone's dressed like Native Americans and I'm showing up in whatever party clothes kind of, yeah, uh, you know, New Year's Day clothes. Give me the heads up that, that this is going to be a poncho and cute hat kind of. And I think I may have froze. Oh, here are you there? Oh, I'm back. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. You're good. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, I did the San Pedro, uh, journey. It was very gentle. It felt like I was just in a really deep meditation and I was lying in the grass and under this pepper tree and saw all these little pepper on the ground. And I had just like one of my ways of coping with, um, emotions or lack of being able to cope was retail therapy. So I would, you know, go to home goods or like just buy a whole bunch of pillows for the couch or something like that. And I just bought this kind of expensive pepper grinder and I steal this pepper on the ground. I was like, Oh my God, everything I need is right here in nature. And it opened my eyes kind of like closing the loop on my city mouse thing. I was like, holy shit, nature is important. Like this is, it seems so simple to say, but it was like this huge awakening moment for me that like, there is a lot more out there for me that I am not even paying attention to. It's literally on the ground. And so after that, that woke me up to, okay, plant medicines are a thing like serum doing, um, mind altering, heart expanding, substances can help me grow rather than the way that I had done them in the past, which is to help me shut down and not face things. And so, um, after that, it, it was a couple of years before I came back to plant medicines, but I really wanted to do ayahuasca. And so I was looking around, um, and there were a few other friends like Jeff, Rick Alexander, who you might know, who I think would be a great guest on your show. If you haven't had him on already, he's I haven't. A, I maybe feel he is 
a philosopher. He's amazing. Like truly bring it. I will send you that contact. So he was like, we should do that. You know, let's look around Um, the cinematographer that we're working with on the documentary. He's like, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's go to Costa Rica. So I found this little place in um, Nosara that just really resonated. You know, there's Rhythmia, there's Soltara, but it just wasn't resonating with like the big groups that they do there. And there was just something about the vibe that felt, um, this is just an observation. This might be an incorrect judgment, but it just felt like they're more about the business. Like their marketing was really good. You know, that kind of thing. Like their sales copy was really like, you're not the only one that I've got, you know, that's it. I think there, I think there's a a few, a few groups. Um, the, I think they started out with really good intent, but I also think that's what happens, right. Is you become the thing and then you become a victim of the thing if you're not careful and the, and the intent isn't left with it. So, you know, not bringing anyone down, but there are places that, you know, whether we like it or not, if an opportunity is there, somebody will always take the opportunity and, and, and run with it depending on who they are and what they really want to do with it. It's going to end up being what it is. Yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about here and being a marketer, I saw that they were using all the tricks, all of the influence tricks. And when it comes to plant medicines, and I didn't really know this at the time, but it was just my intuition pinging again. I don't want to be convinced into doing this. I really want to feel called to do it. So I found this place. It was called the combo casita and had like kind of honestly like a shitty website, but the, what, and it was real. It was like a real person telling me about what they do there. And like, you know, their grammar mistakes and their pictures weren't very good, but I was like, that's the kind of place that I want to go to some place. That's not, doesn't know how to do business. You know, it's like exactly you're focused on, on the healing and the awakening. So, um, yeah, we, we flew down here, had a great little vacation. And then we ended it off with this, um, daime ceremony. Now the difference between I've been saying daime. And so I want to explain the difference between what that is. So, um, daime comes from the church of Santo daime and it's, uh, it's a religion that originated in Brazil. Um, and it has some backing in Catholicism, um, but it's a very kind of eclectic church, as you can imagine, you know, they're, they're drinking ayahuasca and they, they're very like, from what I understand, they have a lot of great regimen. Like there's different types of works that you can do with ayahuasca. It's not just drinking the medicine and going through your own healing process. They have different types of brews where one is, um, made for when you're, um, you're like chanting and you're doing like this two-step with a maraca, you know, and it's like discipline, discipline, standing grounded in your own humbly in your own spiritual authority, you know? Um, and that's different than their healing works, which is what we're more familiar with where you're like laying down and you're going through it, you know, and it's like this purging experience and it can be very challenging. Again, there are other types but the core of the medicine, even though there are different um, types, it's basically just different strengths of the same base, which is simply the leaf and the vine of the ayahuasca plant. And so the vine by itself doesn't do anything. Um, the leaf by itself doesn't do anything because if the DMT is in the vine, but if you just ingest the vine, uh, your stomach acids won't, um, it'll eat away anything before anything happens. But the leaf has some kind of amino acid, something like that, that subdues your stomach acids. And so it just works together to where you can have this release of DMT and the other compounds. Um, now the difference between diamate, so that's diamate, it's very pure. It's just those two elements. 
that are prayed over for multiple, multiple days. And so it's super high vibrational and it's kind of hard to find because it's made in that very specific way. You know, people have to pray before they go into work to, to create this medicine. So you leave all your baggage aside. So, you know, it's, it's made in this way. Um, ayahuasca, you can make it in your bathtub, you know, like you can buy the leaf and the vine and it's also shaman's choice. So you can throw in tobacco in there, which is a natural purgative. If you've ever smoked a cigar, like swallowed a little bit too much, it makes you sick to your stomach. Same thing with eating tobacco. It can make you throw up. Um, there were different reasons why people will want to have that, you know, there's a spirit of tobacco, but sometimes, um, the intentions aren't totally pure with the, with the increase in, um, medical tourism and like the spiritual tourism shamans want some want to give like Americans and Canadians and Westerners the ayahuasca experience. And so the reality with the medicine is like, you might not always purge. You know, you might not always have this experience that you're expecting and some people get disappointed with that. So they add a lot of other things to Mm -hmm. mimic that so that people aren't disappointed on the other end, which really messes with the process because that's not Mm -hmm. what a lot of people need. So I'm a little bit partial to Daini and that's what we, we use here. But that's quite all right. I mean, you have a reason to be, there is different types of Aya that, that works better with certain types of groups of people and what they're working on, you know, it's very, it's very difficult. I know I sat in the last ceremony I did. And uh, one of the vets was like, I don't know about that stuff. Didn't feel right. It felt different. It didn't feel, it felt way darker than it needed to for the, for the people that were in the room and what those type of people had experienced. Mm. It wasn't the right it just didn't feel right. None of us had a real good, it was all very like, Oh, like the blood and the bones level shit. Like it was something. And then, but we knew like the first time we had went, we had done a different. So, and it was a completely different. So it's very, obviously it's very different for what you're the goal you're, you're looking to achieve. Um, at what point though, did you decide like this was going to be something that you really wanted to focus heavily on and make your, your life. Yeah. Thank you for bringing me back. No, it's all right. I, um, so in that first ceremony, when we first came down, I had so many amazing visions, by the way, my intention going into it was madness. Like in hindsight, I am proud of myself for having this, but it was also insane. Like I wanted to see what hell was like because, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. It was a lot. Um, and I did, uh, it was horrible. Um, not what I expected, but it was a lot. And, and the reason behind that was I was getting more and more into shadow work and, you know, I had some things growing up, but I didn't really know what a lot of people went through. And I really wanted to resonate with what is it like when you just don't want to live anymore? You know, what is it, what is it really like so that I can understand that from an energetic level and not speak to it like, oh, well now I know what it's like to be suicidal, but just to feel it in my bones, you know, to have an experience that's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the speaking with, uh, without speaking that, that general, that, that self-understanding, there's something people can open up into you, open up to you differently when, because you can tell when you're sitting in front of someone, if they understand it or they understand it, you can feel the difference. Totally. And I was feeling that I was talking to a lot of people that I was like, I don't, I want to understand this more. So it was, 
the scariest thing I've ever done. I've done many ceremonies after that, but this one will always take the cake. And I asked for it. (laughs) And I got to this point where I, I like, I had nothing left and I just asked it to kill me. It was like, just kill me. There's no reason to be alive anymore. It was, it was like, I don't know if it was actual physical pain, but just so much emotional turmoil. And this booming voice comes up and it says, you, you live because you can breathe. And then I just took this inhale that was like life-giving and all of a sudden it was heaven, you know? And I was like, oh shit, every day is a gift because I can breathe. Just simply being alive is heaven, you know? And I'm the arbiter of my own destiny. Mm -hmm. And so after I got past that, like super intense moment, um, I had a lot of great messages today. One of them was that I was going to be working with this medicine, which I was resisting because this is not an easy life. Dealing with the most powerful psychedelics known to man, um, people are coming in that are really needing help and assistance. So there's also that, you know, people that are in trouble um, and working with that energy at the time, I was like, I don't know if I have the capacity for that Mm because I was really sensitive. I was super spongy. And um, also if I did do this, like, is it a financially viable thing? Because I don't ever want to be like, you know, churning people in and out like a, a machine mm-hmm. of ayahuasca services. Uh, and lastly, it's not legal. Like, so there are all these things where I was like, really, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But it kept coming back to me um, over the, the last several years and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And um, I came back to the combo casita, which is where I'm at now here. And, uh, I learned to self-administer combo. I learned to serve others with combo. It's, that's a non-psychedelic, non-hallucinogenic, um, purging type of medicine. It's not a good time, but it's miraculous. Like it has cured all kinds of things like Lyme disease, arthritis, uh, just general depressive, like emotions. So it's an energetic clearing. It's a physical clearing. It's truly like, even when I say it, I'm like, I know it sounds like a, like too much, too good to be true, but it's really amazing. Um, and I started working with that medicine more. And just this last time where we came to visit, this has been a yearly trip since then. Um, she was like, I need an apprentice. Uh, I feel like you're here for another reason other than to do the medicine again. And I was like, okay. So we literally, this was an intuitive moment again. I was like, Jeff, she wants me to be the apprentice. He, he knew that I wanted this. He's like, okay, yeah. we sold our house that month. So we just recently sold our place in Phoenix. I'm like, he's so supportive, you know? And uh, so we can move to Costa Rica and potentially follow through with this. So yeah, it was just like a series of micro messages that just wouldn't go away. And, and even still, um, I wrestle with if this is something that I want to do because I, I'm really aware of how human I am, you know? And I think that that is an important element of being somebody who works with medicine is to never get a big head about it. I am not a healer. I will never call myself a healer. I will learn about these medicines so that you can have a safe experience. I will learn every single thing I possibly can about the spiritual so that if something up to express itself, I can be there with you to direct it where it needs to go, you know, and, and support you in that way. I will call in the angels and do whatever I can, but it's not me. And, um, 
like we had talked about cults earlier. Like that's a real thing. Shaman fucking, you know, people being like, Oh, I'm a fancy shaman. I'm a healer. Like I just never want that for myself. And so there's this fine line of like, I don't think any cult leader starts off being like, I'm going to be a nightmare and ruin people's lives. But you know, like it's a a really like funny thing in me where I'm just like, can I hold on to my humanness and my humility for the rest of my life? You know, that's my biggest prayer through all of this. I think you could, I think you have enough insight. I think you have enough, the ability enough to look within yourself and really, and really not only see the truth, but accept the truth. I mean, it, it, it's a pattern. If you look back at your life, um, in the bit that I've been able to <clears throat> be told today, if you look back in your life, you've taken a series, made a series of decisions based on your intuition. And you've had the balls to do it in a way that most people go the rest of their lives living a lie or not willing to take the leap to be able to become the person that they, they feel in their bones, they should be, but instead they slowly die every day by going to a job. They hate around people. They don't want to be around in a profession that doesn't do anything for anyone. And they live their lives like that. So people like you that are able to see those intuition moments, take them for what they are, whether it's difficult or not, whether it up flips your entire life upside down, you see it, you take it, you honor it and you move through it. So I think even if you got to a point where you decided this wasn't going to be your long-term, but this was a part of your life, I think you'll move through just fine. And I don't think you'll develop a large head because I think there's also a lot of people around you. They're not yes people. They're mm-hmm. people of truth and depth and people that understand things and want to understand things on a deeper level rather than just surface and make a bunch of money and run people through a program. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, that's another thing that like when I started working with, um, plant medicines, even just meeting Jeff and like getting really aligned on what I valued in my life, the right people started showing up. You know, I have the most amazing friends that I respect and like admire. And I never thought that that would be possible. And it's just so funny what miracles can come to us when we start to be brave and do things that are different. Yeah. Doing things that are different. I mean, what is, I don't know. I have, I have such a hard time with people in society right now because I want so many to do things differently. I want I want for them to be able to see that there's a better way to live, that there is a better way to feel. There is a, there is a, there is just a better way to do it. It doesn't need to be so goddamn hard and it doesn't need to be so painful and it doesn't need to be so stressful. If you are able to sit for a moment with something that is 10 times light years more powerful than you and give it over to something just for a second if only to be shown in front of you, what you need to be, to see, to be able to move forward, we would be Mm -hmm. in a different place. And people now more than ever, it feels like need different types of healing. We have done things a certain way in society for, for a hundred years that we've had technologies and, and we've under started to understand the body and we've under started to understand the mind body connection and the importance of things, but we have never changed the way we do life. We don't change the way we do these things. Like my mother and I had this conversation last night. It's like, 
we're advanced humans, but yet we only eat processed food. We're advanced humans, but yet we abuse technology. We're advanced humans, but we put in our body, you know, some of the worst possible things. And then wonder why we don't live to like 150 years old. Like at what point is advancement really become a detriment to the human body? We've excluded ourselves from nature. We've taken out the importance of sunlight. We've taken out the importance of grounding. We've taken out the importance of being outside of a building with fluorescent lights because we think that's the right thing and the healthy way to live our lives. And it's really, it's, it is, like you said, it's, it's crunchy right now. It's a weird moment in time where you're seeing this split in societies where people are understanding the importance of nature and under, not in a, not even in a, like a climate change way. Like, I mean, in a way that is like, we are understanding our own vibrations. We are understanding our own energy. We are understanding what we put in our body. If it's a, it's like a gas tank. Right. And so on one part of me feels like I just want to scream in people's faces and shake them until they get it. And the other part of me knows that's not going to be the way to do it. That's not how it works. You have to mm-hmm. let people come to this properly on their own time, or you're no different than any of these other large groups that just run people through for financial gain. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. You had mentioned this um, split in consciousness, right? The one that we know about, the one that a lot of people are listening know about, which, okay, you already said it, so I'm not going to go into it, but there's this fake split in consciousness, which where a lot of people, the majority of people think is happening. There's woke society, which is the quote advanced one. And then there's like the racists, you know, and like the conservatives and stuff. And I... And this is where we get into shadow work. So we're all dealing with the same shadow in that split. Okay. So you had mentioned um, uh, being afraid to do things differently. Okay. That's kind of been a theme of what we've been talking about. Actually, it's like being afraid to be different and, and to be unique and to do things like the other people wouldn't understand. But like different and unique in a real way, not in a different and unique. And I cut my hair off and wear blue pants only. And, and I want to be this, this, and this, No, that's not fucking different. That's, that's a conformist mentality. Being different means I am going to uproot my entire life because it is no longer serving me and making me healthy. That's different. Totally. Absolutely. And so like a lot of people are dealing with that and that seems to be a non-issue. That's just like normal mm-hmm. standard, right? Like I'm afraid to be too different, too weird. I hear it here all the time. Now, what they deem as being very wrong is not liking people who are different, you know, mm-hmm. systemic racism. I don't personally, this is super controversial, but I don't know if systemic racism is the core problem. I think it's this shadow of indifference and the repressive and the reactive version of it. The repressive version being, I'm afraid to be different also means you don't like people that are different. You know, those two things are the same thing. If you're afraid Mm -hmm. to be different, you're also implying that you don't like when people do things that are different. Otherwise you wouldn't see that that's an issue, you know, but it's different manifestations of the same bullshit. Mm -hmm. 
it's just categorization and labeling and to, because there's always an ulterior motive. If you can make someone look over here and say, you shouldn't, you should hate these people because they talk about these people this way. What are they doing when they're over here? It's like, look over here, look over here, look over here. Systemic racism, uh, was it critical race theory? Like, let's look at all these things. Let's look at all these things. But while we're doing that, what we're really doing is a whole bunch of like horrific, worse things over here. We're just making you think that this is the problem, but realistically, where does that stem from? It stems from an in type of individual who, who looks back at their past as, as uh, tragic and unkind and unnecessary. And yet we're still harming people for things that happened hundreds of years ago. I mean, there is a almost like this disdain for yourself or for your bloodline or for your, your type of person, whatever the woke culture wants to say, there is this, there is this repression, whether people want to admit it or not, there is, there just is. Yeah. And all I have to say, that doesn't mean that racism exists. It all exists. All we're saying is that yeah. like every, we're way more similar than we want to believe. Right. Oh, 100%. Like hundred percent. It's your upbringing. It's how much money you have. It's your personality. Like we're just dealing with the same shit. So yeah, to your point, like the real split in consciousness is this awareness that there is unity and diversity there. Like being different is, should be the standard because we all are different. Like, <laughs> you know, that makes the most sense. And so that's why I really love working with plant medicines because to explain these concepts in at nauseam when people are stressed out and like, you know, they have all these kids and like bills and stuff like that to have them sit down and say, look, these are all these very complex concepts that will awaken you, you know, and all you need to do is meditate for several years. And some people are great at that. You know, some people have the time for it and the resources for it. Um, and you're going to study all these ancient texts and then you'll awaken to what really matters in life. And by the way, I'm not saying that I'm like this enlightened being, you know, I am very aware that I, again, I think I heard the show with this, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. All I can do is just explain the best that I can with what I think I know. Um, but like altered states, like falling in love and laughing and working out and, um, dreaming is another one. Um, and plant medicines, it's like this fast track into our psyches that can, that are mammalian, um, or our prefrontal cortex can like die down for a little bit and we can see more from, mm -hmm. from our souls rather than like left brain kind of stuff. When you started, okay. So why don't you explain what, for someone that's listening, who has never heard some of these terms that we're throwing around, what is shadow work? Okay. So shadow work, um, it's, it's a Jungian term from Carl Jung, but the concept has been around, I mean, since humans have been able to, like, since our consciousness evolved to be able to acknowledge our own mortality, you know? Um, and it's basically like unearthing or shining light on the parts of ourselves that we either are incapable of seeing, like we can't see it. Uh, think about somebody who's like very interruptive and talks a lot, you know, it's like, geez, like everybody sees it, but that person doesn't really see it. Like they're being interruptive. Not you. God, you're a really great <laughs> interviewer. Um, 
it can be things that you don't want to look at. So I know that I have this negative patterning in my life, but I don't want to face it. We know a lot of people like that. Um, and it's also things that you actively are trying to figure out. Like, why do I keep getting in the same type of relationship? Like with my personal example, why do I keep being unfaithful? Why am I even in a relationship? First of all, a committed relationship that has these rules, if I can't follow those rules. So it's like looking at mostly their negative patternings, but sometimes they're positive um, because in the line of shadow work that I subscribe to, which is originates from the gene keys. Um, there is every shadow contains a gift. So if we were to use the example of, um, of like inertia being a shadow, which is one of my primary ones, uh, I see a problem. I see everything that I need to do to fix it, but I have this inability to just start and I just sit there and I'm like, what the fuck do I do? You know, I see how to fix it, but like the problem just feels so big. That gift, when we work with it or that shadow, when we, when we contemplate it and we unearth it, we see like, where did that stem from? You know, is it an ancestral thing? Is it a life experience thing? Is it uh, just something, I don't know, that I don't need to identify, but I know that I want to shine light on. We, we keep like rolling it around in a contemplative practice then it transforms into determination. So each shadow transforms into something very specific. So you might be wondering like, how does inertia turn into um, determination? Well, you can think about how every virtue also has a vice. So people that are like, I'm very honest person and they say it a lot. And like, that might be very true. That's a very, very honest person. It means that somewhere deep down, they have this capacity to lie and this want to lie, you know, um, they might not ever lie, but that's always a little thing in there, you know, kind of like my thing with being a cult leader, like my integrity is so like, it's all I have, but maybe there's this part of me that's like, I'm not integral, you know, I'm not a good person. It's just this little thing in there, you know, and we can grow one or the other, but it'll always exist. We don't ever transcend our shadows are always parts of us. It's like, you can be friends with it. Or you can try to shove it down and it'll like burst out in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you're and then all of a sudden Jessica has a cult. Yes. Right. Like if I ever have a cult, I've like something horrible has happened, but I, I will have called you. I don't, I think you will have enough people around you now that we will hold you down and go, listen, we understand it's an, it's a want for you, but it's bad. It's bad. It's not a good look. It's not on brand. We need to cut the shit. We'll bad do show. it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. So just to round that all up, shadow work is basically working on those parts of yourself that you don't really want to see. Um, but in doing that, and that's what we do with the SFE is like, we unearth the aspects of your character that you've hidden behind mm -hmm. some very sophisticated masks, but you put yourself through so much psychological and physical distress that all that mask is gone. And all that's left is what's really real. And that's where it can get really exciting. Because I think one of the opinions about shadow work is that it can be like super dark, um, but it just needs a little reframe. It's like being the detective of your own story. You know, why am I mm -hmm. like this? They can get very adventurous then in that sense.
Well, also, I mean, who wants to look at some of the hardest parts of their life? There's a reason why people compartmentalize. There's a reason why people's personalities split that, you know, trauma happens. The worst thing that's ever happened to you is only the worst thing that can ever happen to you. And if some shit that has happened to you is so damn horrific, there's a reason they've been put those thoughts and memories and feelings and everything have been put into a box. It's to protect the brain from itself, because if it really did fully allow it to you know, pull it apart and examine it and see why sometimes depending on what's happened to somebody that shit can, that can crack the brain, man, that can, it's, it's no different when the people, when they mess around, if they're on an SSRI and then they go and do ayahuasca, like there's a chance there that that could, that could really affect the brain with a serotonin reuptake. Or if somebody who is already borderline, uh, has some, some psychological issues, um, there is, there is, you know, psychedelics are really not good for it. You can really crack the brain and it, it is something that we are starting to understand, but we are not even, oh, we're not even close to fully understanding. So when you introduce things like shadow work and plant-based medicines, if the person really, I don't say isn't ready, that's why when you speak of this, um, you know, this, uh, medical tourism or the spiritual tourism, like you have to be really careful because people, may think they know why they're going. Mm -hmm. Right. But the reality is some might not, and some might be doing it for the wrong reasons. And that can become really dangerous if, if it's done incorrectly. Oh my gosh, girl. I'm so I'm going to start a podcast with the medicine woman, uh, Nadine Purdy here in just a little bit. We've been so busy. I'm like, when are we going to do this? But it's going to happen soon. And it's called, um, ethics and ethnogens because ethics in this space need to be a talked about thing. Um, Mm-hmm. It, you know, ayahuasca being illegal, mushrooms are now becoming like more accepted. Uh, but even like ketamine, for example, we've seen some horrific results with ketamine. We don't do them here, but like people get fractaled and they become shells of themselves. And, yep. you know, um, it, we do a lot of like cleanup with ketamine. And so there's things that we, we want to explore with people because not all altered states are helpful. Like you were mentioning, mm-hmm. it sounds amazing to hear, Oh, you know, I had severe PTSD. I did ayahuasca once and I'm healed. That happens more often than not, mm-hmm. but you know, something that might be undersold is just how much work you need to have to do prior and how much work you have to do post to like solidify any kind of insight that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I go and off track? I don't like, no, you're, you're right. No, 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 no. I'm no. so squirrely right now. <laughs> you're doing great. You're doing amazing. But that's the point. I'm glad you brought that up because <clears throat> for example, uh, I, I, the first time I experienced a true psychedelic, uh, once was in high school when somebody put it in my food. Okay. And that was horrific. Oh, it, it was like, it was the stereotypical mushroom situation where your eyes were kaleidoscopes and Smurfs were coming under the t- doors with knives and you hide and you close your eyes, but for Claudius, you can't, it's a whole thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you're the whole, you, you know, classic high school bullshit. But after that, I never did anything like, right. I, I maybe had a couple puffs of weed, but like, that was a hard no in life. So I didn't do that. So I just drank. And then I joined the army. So I, I wasn't one of those people who really, exper- I've never experienced, I, I didn't do any drugs, if you will, when I was younger. So when, um, when ayahuasca presented itself to me through, uh, Griff from combat flip-flops, who was an army ranger, you know, he saw in me something in my eyes that I was struggling with so deeply that I was having a hard time articulating, but 
it had been 10 years into treatments and it still wasn't getting better, but didn't want to admit that it wasn't getting better. But in the outsider at home, I was falling apart. And he saw that and said, look, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but a lot of people like us, we get to these plateau points or we're treatment resistant or we're all of these things. And I was so at that point with medications and everything. And he said, you know, I think if you're up for it, it's worth a shot. And, um, I, I leaped, I, I felt something in me so deep, something so uncontrollable, something that like, for example, if I'm going to make a decision to go do something like that, I'm going to go, I'm going to call my husband. Cause he's my, like, he's my homie. And I'll be like, Hey, Hey, guess what? How do you feel about this? Cause this is what I'm thinking. And we'll talk it out. Cause that's, we, that's how we work. But with this, he said, it's then would you, is that something you would ever want to do? I couldn't say yes fast enough with more enthusiasm, with more purpose and passion behind it. There was something different that brought a calling to me that I didn't know I needed in my life until I had it. And then once having it, there is, that is, that is, I said this to someone yesterday, that is just when the work begins. That is just the moment. That is the, the flick off the edge of life there. Just all right, here you go. And it gives you just enough that you go, holy shit. Now I have so much work to do. And I mean, since then there, I haven't, I don't, I don't leave without this. This has been with me through them all. And I just go through book, through book, through book, because the work begins after, and you have to do prep work. But when you are looking at changing yourself, when you look at, you're looking at healing, when you're looking at moving through real shit, real, real shit. You, the work is, is <laughs> reintegration and you can become fractal. You can become disassociative to the point where you're like, why would I want to be a part of society after you really see the other side? And my friends, he calls it the mountaintop. Like I watched documentaries, like that line couldn't be more perfect. Once you've seen the mountaintop, you can't unsee it. You can't mm. unfeel it. And now mm-hmm. you have a responsibility within yourself to do that work so that you can then take that forward and help in any other capacity, whether that's just informational or jumping in the way you've jumped in or the way that people have just been like, it was something that I realized and allowed me to say, Hey, I maybe don't need all these medications. Right. So there's, it it spans the gamut, but seeing someone like you take shadow work and take the plant-based medicine and really being willing to look at the depths Cause that's really what it is. Like what you truly asked for when you went to hell, those are the depths. They are real. They are vivid. They are painful. They are horrific. And I just, I've been in a situation in an altered state where that has been the darkness. And I applaud you for being willing to go to those depths so that you could in turn help others see, because like someone told me this past weekend, it's at the root. And if you don't, the, the more work you do down here, the higher you can go up here. Mm -hmm. Right. But if Mm -hmm. you're, if you're constantly sitting on this uneven keeled ground, that's always shaking, that's always moving. How are you ever going to get the energy to move upward? Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the things that comes up for me as you're talking about this is needing to kill kill off a part of yourself that you 
that needs to go in order for you to rebirth this new version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, like even the word decides decide the etymology of that in Latin is to cut off. It's to kill, you know, decease, decide. And so like in deciding something, um, you know, we can decide we want a new car, you know, but like something is sacrificed. Uh, those like a really shallow version of this, but when it comes to this deep work, I think that that is a major reason why people don't actually change after doing these medicines, because that's super common too. A lot of people are like drug seeking or just adventure seeking, or they really do want to change, but they really don't want life to look any different. They just want to like go back to a previous version of themselves where I was like, Mm -hmm. I was so young and so vibrant. I want to go back to that. There's no going back. There's only forward, you know, so you need to kill off a part of yourself that feels this victim mentality, just as an example, but in Mm -hmm. killing that off, are you willing to live with that? Because first off, there's a mourning process. Anytime you kill off likely anything that has, you've spent time with for a while. And, um, let's say you're, you're, you need to kill off this victim mentality. Well, that's also acknowledging that you've been actively participating in playing this victim role, you know? So it's this extreme ownership over the way that you felt like you had been mistreated. It's kind of like this, oh shit, I've been doing this to myself. I know that there've been other players in this orchestra, but like I'm the one stepping on my own head. And so that acknowledgement is like, it can feel like a punch to the gut. Anytime you realize something, shadow work and plant medicines. And I I think a lot of these things are all intertwined, Um, but it's like having spinach in your teeth and talking to somebody and like them not really telling you about it, you know, and then you looking in a mirror or somebody telling you about it and be like, fuck, how long have I been walking around with this? You know, so and you get long. that like, oh, like that gross feeling. And then you're like trying to get it off and stuff. Some people you can say, oh, you've spinach in your teeth. And they like, don't, or they don't want you to tell them. Okay. Like this happens, right? I'd rather just like have some shit on my face and like, rather than somebody acknowledge it and me get that embarrassed feeling and face mm-hmm. it. Like, this is just my reality. I'm going to live in my own fantasy, even if, even though it sucks. I think that's like most of the world right now too that blind understanding within self where it's like, it's reality is so ruthless for so many right now that they're like, it's okay. It's fine. It's like Pleasantville. I just keep going to work and doing it all. Like there really is because I think there's a big part of human beings right now that cannot, they can't because they cannot fully allow themselves to either believe what they see or they're feeling or their environment or what's going on around them. Because if they did, they would implode. Mm -hmm. They really, 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 I believe would. Yeah. Can I tell you a story about something similar to that? Can you tell me all the stories? (laughs) Thank you. I love this talking time. Um, So I met a gentleman here at the, at the center who believes that the earth is flat. Okay. Oh. And, um, he was like, look, Jessica, you've been lied to. And he told me like this whole thing, you know, and then in, in the, whatever year this is. And I was like, fuck, like, and I'm, I'm in this space of really listening to people here, you know, like withholding judgment is like my number one rule when people tell me stuff like anything, um, here in this context anyway. And I was like, (laughs) okay. It's like, I'm really going to hang in there with you in this 
yeah. in this exploration. I'm engaged. I don't know. I kind of know because, you know, I've, I do long range shooting and I know that there's a spin of the earth that we have to like account for. So like something's spinning round, but let's pretend that's also a lie somehow. Okay. And like okay. my gun has been calibrated incorrectly. And like this conspiracy goes deep, you know, goes super deep, super deep into math and like all kinds of things. And all I was like, how would my life change if I really, cause I do believe, and I think you do too, that the government has lied to us about a lot of things that like people, in my family are like, you're nuts. You're a tinfoil hat person, like 5g and shit Why like that. Would give <laughs> you that impression for me. Is it the Googling, the Reddit, the vibe, or ju- is it the hand pat- tattoos? Cause it's oh, one yeah. of them. It's everything. Okay. It's the hat. It's the neutral okay. colors. It's everything. <laughs> okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I knew what I was looking at here. Yeah, you're a fellow tinfoil hat person in the way. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yes, yeah. it's so really I'm a like, Faraday oh, cage under here. Shh, it's fine. Oh my god. Oh my god. That would make a great hat. I know. I I'll, now I'm gonna get one fucking made because you said wow. it. So that would yeah. be very very good. Okay, well, let's come back to that. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm here for that. So I was like, how would my life change if I really then subscribe to that being true? You know, like, oh shit, the, the earth is flat. That means astrology isn't real. And I really like base a lot of my life on that. Mm-hmm. Um, like my plan to sail around the world, I'm going to need to expect to get lost in the Bermuda triangle or something and hit an ice wall or like whatever. Yeah. Um, to plan for and- that. And then the star, the sun and the moon are the same size and the moon emits its own light. Like it was just like a whole rabbit hole of how would everything else in my life be different because of that one thing? And it, I mean, okay, no. So I don't think that the earth is flat, but it taught me a really valuable lesson in like, that's what I think a lot of people are dealing with when I just come out and like, I'm just like expecting people to acknowledge that, you know, processed foods and low fat diets were all constructs of the government and blah, blah, blah. Like it's that fucked up for people because they trust that this thing is real. You know, they trust that. And like, if they don't trust that, what can they trust? And everything is uprooted. That sucks. That's really hard. It's terrifying. It's like, um, uh, here's an example that people will get, get with if this is a less woo. So just pay attention for a sec, not you, them. Um, <laughs> There's a documentary on uh, Netflix right now called Our Father. It is about, small ad here for this because it's fucking insane. Um, It is about an individual who was a a infertility doctor who specialized in Illinois. And he had such a bad God complex. And I mean, there was some religious shit that went really far about like Aryan race and like, anyway, I digress. But he was like, he would say he was using donors, but he actually was using his own sperm. So uh, they found out that they have 96 siblings and they're growing and there's more and there's so much more. And she said, and something caught me um, and something you just said was almost identical. And she said, listen, I understand that that day when I call that person, I am about to ruin their lives Mm. because they believed their father is their father for their whole life. They believed that their mother had no idea, like everything, your entire, like the person you looked up to, where I get my eyes from, how the reason I act the way I act, all of that is because it is something that a construct that you've had. And when I call, I break it. 
I break it all. And it was something that just like blew my mind because it was so that, that, that resonates on so many levels, right? Like, like this, like your example, like how would your whole life change if one aspect, just one was found out to be false. Now imagine when people who are never been in the military, never had access to information, and they really truly did live in this construct of, you know, the government has my best interest at, um, the police always do everything right. Um, uh, church and state is separate. Uh, the Catholic church never hurt children or murdered millions of babies in Canada. Like, like break it, break it fucking in half and watch what's happens to people's psyches. Mm-hmm. It, it would be devastating. Yeah. We find out that aliens are real. Like aliens have to be real. Like, right. Like there's just, they're they're, doing that. You know that, right. They've got like a, the United States has got right, right this week. I believe it is. They are doing like a Senate hearing about the amount of information they want to release to the public on UFOs. Do you know? Really? No, I don't watch. Oh my God. I don't watch it. You think I get, hold on. Let's back up. Do you think I get my information from the news? No, I get my information from memes, unfortunately. that <laughs> I mean, that's even better. Um, I'll take that one. There's a few. Um, uh, no, I don't. At no point do I. I hate the yes. news. I despise the news. I think they make me sad inside. And I think any of the anchors who are like, I'm just reverberating information and doing my job, they should be held accountable too. But that's Absolutely. just my personal opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Media. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going... Aliens. Tell me about aliens. Sorry. I fucking think they're amazing. I think they exist. I think they have to be interdimensional because how else could they go undetected? I think I'm pretty sure. Isn't there been signals that have been pinged back? Like I'm pretty sure there's some stuff out there that I'm sorry. The military doesn't have. Okay. Listen, there is no way we are doing certain things that we're doing with aircraft and other things that we just can't seem to be like, Oh, we got it from this material. It's like, I'm pretty sure like there's individuals like Bob Lazar who are like, this is a thing that I've had forever. And we all know about, we don't know where it's from and we don't know why it does what it does or performs the way it performs. I'm just saying there are people that are smarter that have more access, that we'll never truly know the truth. Because if, if we really did get told the real reality that like, Hey, there's been some shit, there's been some interdimensional, it goes way back to like the pyramids and all the drawings and all of the amazing things. There's really been some shit and I'm sorry, society, but we just didn't think you could handle it. So we didn't tell you, but Mm. here it is. Here's all the data. Here's the real points. Here's all of it people would freak the fuck out. They would have 30, like they would have 30 sea containers filled with weapons and being like, they're not coming on my property. Those weird aliens. Like it would get uncomfortably, like very uncomfortable, very, very quickly. People Mm -hmm. would not be able to handle the fact that they can't see what's coming at them. And something that's so different seems so terrifying to people Mm -hmm. too. That's the other thing, right? Is like, it's a fear-based thing again. So no, I, I, I fully think that there is something more advanced than us. There is something more powerful than us. Uh, I don't use the word God. I'm a recovering Catholic as many people know. Um, I don't, 
I speak as in the universe and, and the energies that come from that and the divine gods that you want to call, like people want to say, well, there's God, church of Jesus Christ. And like, okay, you do you. But at the end of the day, we are all one. We all have energy. We all put it out into the world. We are all living, breathing creatures on this planet. And we are all connected, whether you want to like it or not. So that's provable in science, like real science. And so for me, when it comes to aliens, I, I, yeah, maybe not like flying saucers and like, I saw an alien, but like in the real sense that there's been things more powerful than us that have come onto this planet and whether it's in previous or, you know, in other times that could just be variations of ourselves, right? They could be advanced variations of ourselves that left and we're like, Hey, y'all were fucked. We needed to bounce. Um, so I think they're there. What do you think? What do you think? Tell me what you think. I think like common sense tells me that there has to be like, I just can't imagine. It just makes me sad to think that the word this, the most advanced, like being in, the, in existence, <laughs> I like, know, we can, doesn't it? The universe can do better than that. Um, no, I love humans. I think we're amazing, but, uh, it's just like the universe is so big, at least if, if we subscribe to the universe that we know it as right. And we can only go so far or whatever past that. It's just a lot of theories, but um, like if aliens did make contact, I think that there would be so much denial, just like there's denial in, you know, the food pyramid being like something that was a financial construct and it was financially efficient um, rather than for our own health. It's like, people just don't want to look at it because it undermines everything that they believe to be true. You know, we are the most sophisticated we were created in God's own image, which I do think is true. But like you're saying, there's a lot of, like a lot Mm -hmm. of roads to Rome. My God is, it's not male or female. It's not one thing. It's, it's everything, you know, we are God and stuff like that. Um, yeah. In fact, at the beginning of like the COVID thing going down, I was like, I wonder if like aliens are coming and they're, they found (laughs) Cause I was just trying to make sense of all this shit. Right? right. I was like, so are they putting us all in our homes because like there's an alien invasion coming and they're, they're practicing to see how like compliant we can be so they can hurt us in, you know, and there will be like a lot less destruction. I don't know. I was going a lot of, a lot of ways, but I don't remember how we got into aliens. I think it was like just acknowledging the unknown. We have yeah. to be comfortable with that. And I think that that's a, an integral part of expanding your consciousness is like, being comfortable with death, acknowledging that you're not the most powerful, um, sentient being in on the planet or in the universe acknowledges that, uh, we don't have control over our own existence. You know, we've been trying to control it with medications. We've been trying to control it with like these little square boxes that we live in that are air conditioned and our food comes and it's always the same and like whatever there's very little deviation from in our lives and so when something like COVID happens it's like oh my god we're are we all gonna die and then people start doing crazy shit like saving toilet paper you know yeah. and are aliens coming oh that means you know like I I'm not the smartest being in the room anymore uh what's, what are we going to be hoarding next? You know, like mothballs. It's just, it's wild. I mean, it's, it it is, it is very wild. And it's, I think COVID was an interesting exercise Mm -hmm. in, in uh, control and human behavior in um, how to access and 
develop behaviors. I think it was a, a really great soft launch uh, on a lot of different in a lot of different ways to really see how where the pushback lies, where the where the minds break. At what point can we? Where can we push here? And how do we change here and manipulate a little here to get? this ideal society or human that we want moving forward so mm-hmm. that when we start implementing all of these other types of changes, we know based on past results that we've gotten them to formulate thoughts and ways they do and live their lives because we've been able to, we've been able to see it. So we know that they will react X will, you know, X plus Y will equal Z in the next thing that we throw. It's yes. just, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to think about, but I think that's also, uh, why it's so important for people like you and Jeff to exist because critical thinking and thought process and, and, and looking at the way our minds work and altered states are, I really believe I've said it before. It's going to take something to shake society. And I think we're finally there. I think we're there in a positive way. I think the legitimacy to plant-based medicine is being given by the universities with the research and with all of those things. But I also do believe it does for, for certain individuals to go and experience something like that. They do have to have the science. They do have to see the backing behind it. They do have to somewhat feel in control so that they can justify going. But then there's people, I believe like you and I, who are like, I felt it in my sternum. Did you feel the feeling in the sternum? I'm just going to follow that. I don't care what you have to say about it. I don't care if it sounds like this or this, that thing tells me it's right. So I'm going with that thing. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, tons of different types of people. So I think it's important to have individuals like you doing this work, pushing it forward, but also showing people that you can be quote unquote, how you said weird or different or not the norm. And it can still be a, if not, way healthier lifestyle, way better for the mind body, way better for marriages, way better for family building, way better for moving society forward rather than go to school, put their light out, send them through school, send them to college to do something they hate where they drink and do drugs and just try to figure out what they are, then left with a whole bunch of debt, then go to work a job that they don't really want to do, then start a family because they feel pressure, have kids and fucking die. Because that's really what we're doing. Yeah. You know what? That would be a really great movie to put together. Yeah. It's just that. And there's yeah. no happy ending at the end. It's just no. the standard Western life. Let's and do then it. people just watch that and that's it. And you're like, I'm- what do you think? <laughs> What do you think? So what do you think? Who's signing up for this? Everyone? Yeah. But that's Um, my point though. Sometimes it needs to be that blunt, that obvious, and that in someone's face for them to realize how like fucking ridiculous that is to be doing anymore. We all tuned into different things at the beginning of, well, throughout the COVID. I don't even know what to call it. Like the COVID thing, you know, um, yeah, I get by like pandemic and all that kind of stuff now. But, uh, one of the things that I tuned into as being a root cause of so much chaos is like people being unresourced being one and, uh, this like hyper-focus on brain decision-making. So with resource, what I mean is, um, 
we were like, okay, are our food chains going to be shut down because, you know, factories are being shut down all like, you're not allowed to leave your house. How do you get food? You know, uh, people don't know how to build fires. They don't know how to find their own food. They don't know how to find their own water. They don't know how to make their own decisions, especially in that state of feeling like your safety has been removed. And by safety, this is a, oh, there's a great word for it that I can't remember right now, but it's like, um, it's like a fake level of safety that you need. Oh, I can't get toilet paper. For example, that's not a need. You know, like we've existed a long time without that, but it's like to some people we've lived in this very standard way of living for so long. They're like, I literally won't survive without it. You know, maybe not a conscious level. They're not thinking that, but subconsciously, if I can't, uh, even go to the gym every day, which was hard on a lot of people, it was very uprooting, you know, but, um, they could have just gone up and down their stairs or gone outside and ran or yep. stood in place and did squats, but because they took the ability to go and do it, it, it was almost like it signaled to the brain that it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Like, it, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the thing that you pointed out, like the psychological changes that were made were so pinpoint accurate. They just, they hit people. So the, the, the critical thinking just fucking went right out the window. Yeah. It shut it down. Yeah like finding information at that time, even still to this day was really confusing because we're getting all this types of information from mass media. Um, that was like changing every day. And it had those like weird vibes to it. You know, it's like, this is feeling kind of like like sales copy right now. And I don't want to be convinced of something and just feeling weird. Um, but like when we have such a brain focused, society. And what I mean by that is like, our brains are really designed to collect information and to be creative with information and to like reorganize it. Decision-making needs to come from where you were talking about, like that gut area, your heart, sternum area, you know, it's like, that's how you are supposed to make decisions. Because if we just rely on the information that we're taking in, we would drive ourselves crazy, which is what I think a lot of us do. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, this person's saying that, and that person's saying that, and that person's saying that. And all I want, I'm in survival mode. I just want things to go back to the way we were. But one thing we know about time as we are humans is we can't really go back yet. So, okay. I just went down a rabbit hole of like, that's okay. Go for some it. of the realms, but um, like, yeah, in the 3D world, we can't really go back to where we were, right? And so it's just that like psychosis of thinking, I just want things to be normal again. Well, it's like things are never going to be normal. This is kind of fantastic that we're getting shaken up here. What can mm-hmm. you learn about yourself in this instance? And the worst thing, my friend Rick, who I, has got to be on your podcast, he says this often like, the worst thing about going through the suck is not learning anything on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Fuck yeah. So I would love for people during COVID, Jeff and I ran something called the um, Robust Human Summit, where we got people together to help teach just for free, um, teach people how to build fires, how to find water and filter water, how to uh, prepare yourself for a disaster, how to talk to your family about disaster plans. which includes like making friends that are also resourced, you know, having good community. Um, 
and just things like that, like super baseline kind of like survival so that like when shit does hit the fan, you're not like, oh my God, I can't survive if the systems go down. And like that, that prepper standpoint can go way off the rails. You know, like we're not talking about have a bunker with two years full of food. I like, cause what's the point if the world is ending like, what's the point in prolonging it? You know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm checking out. Grace. I know what's next. I, yeah, go go with grace. See you on the other side. High five. Love you. Like, yeah. meet you there. Like, come on. Well, when you're more physically resourced with those base needs, you just like, you're more psychologically capable of dealing with all that stuff too. So I think that like right. m- the vast majority of society is vastly underprepared for being human without systems. And so just, I guess, to tie out this all together, um, things like shadow work and things like altered states wake you up to, uh, I'm very autonomous. I'm a, I'm a sovereign being. I can make things, make decisions on my own. There's that feeling of connectedness to the earth, connectedness Mm -hmm. to other people. So like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a real fan of it, but I'm really glad that you also mentioned that um, you need to be ready for it because if you do plant medicines and you're not ready, you can't unsee what you saw, but you can start to build your life just the way it was again. But now you'll have this heaviness that I knew I could have done it differently, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then you end up living, uh, and I would think for some maybe regret or sadness. And that is always going to be it's going to sit there and it's going to weigh on your whole life and all the decisions you make, whether you are conscious of it or not. And that's, <clears throat> that's why it's important to just, if you know, know, know what you're stepping yourself into. Like my husband's like, I'm not ready for that, to go into that, to sit with that medicine when I am, I, I will, but I'm not yet. And that's okay, but it's gotta be okay for you to understand that you can't it is not a fix all. It is not a, you know, a bandaid. It is some real shit. It is something to be respected, to be honored and to be thought as such. And anybody who does it otherwise, <clears throat> she will fuck your world up. And, uh, I got no issue saying that. And it's on you then at that point. Um, because we, we warned you. Um, but I do got to say, Jessica, it's, uh, it's been such a pleasure talking about all of this because so many people do ask, uh, really in-depth things. And I n- I don't claim to be somebody that knows everything, but I do know people that do. And, and it is so great to have you, but do know that uh, I would love to have you back on again, because I think you and I can go hours and hours and hours and hours. And I think we should, because you have got so many good life lessons and the tools that you're using to help better society deserve to be spread far and wide. So thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Really. Thank you. And I'd be honored to come back again. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for this amazing conversation. And if you guys are listening and you're inspired to want to learn more about plant medicines, you can hit me up on Instagram at Jessica Depotzi underscore that's D E P A T I E. And I'd be happy to answer any of your questions. Amazing. We'll make sure to put those all in the bios. Everyone else. We'll see you next week. Yeah.